0: 90% Hello and welcome to 90% Hits, a podcast that is usually about the number one singles uh, throughout the Australian charts in the 90s. My name is Danny Gow, and with me as usual is Tim Coyle. Valamogoulis. Casey Atkins. I don't even get that. <coughs> Hi. And down the line from the Gold Coast, Tim Warren.
1: Hi, we're in Delaware. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And we usually talk about the number one singles in the Australian charts throughout the 90s if this is the first time you've ever listened to us. But every at the end of every year when we've covered enough songs, we go back to the year that we talked about and we all choose a song that we want to talk about that charted in that year. So this year we just finished – well, now we've just finished 1992 and we've all picked a song um, from 1992 that charted to talk about. We've also – or try to guess what everyone chose as well. We also have a very special four-sided dice to see who goes first tonight. Um, Do we all want to talk about the films that we chose that are on the dice (laughs) tonight? (laughs) Tim Coyle.
2: I chose Bob Roberts. Casey Hackens? I chose White Men Can't Jump purely for the LOLs. Right? We, all, we all had a jump off contest <laughs> yeah. we did this too.
0: Billy, Billy, I went to school.
3: Um, Daddy did jump the
0: highest. Jim <laughs> Byron.
1: And I chose Wayne's World, Party On, Excellent.
0: <laughs> I chose uh, the Cameron Crowe 1992 film, Singles. So, without of course you f- did. For- <laughs> Without any further ado, let's roll the dice and see who goes first. So it's Bob Roberts, which is Tim Coyle's choice, and let's see what we thought Tim Coyle would choose before we start. Casey Atkins, what did you think?
2: I found this one really, really hard. I had no idea what to pick, and and forgive me for thinking that you may have chosen Stay by Shakespeare's system.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tim Byron? Um... In my head, I had this idea that Tim Coyle would pick Dizzy by Vic Reeves and the Wonder Stuff.
0: Oh you were pretty close. <laughs> uh, and I chose Tequila by A.L. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Coyle, what did you really
3: choose? I actually chose November Ray by Guns N' Roses. Everyone's choices indicate no one would have expected me to pick this song because I'm not really a big Guns N' Roses fan in any real way, but I just love this song. It's um, a couple of weeks ago we covered Mr. Big mm-hmm. doing To Be With You, which is the village idiot as far as metal anthems, <laughs> con- uh, sorry, metal ballads are concerned. This is the King. Uh, yeah, it's it's just an amazing song. It shouldn't be, but it is. Mm. And I think we've spoken a couple of times before where if you can imagine yourself in the room the first time it's played either to a record company or to other members of the mm. band, I think the moment this was played in a rehearsal room, everyone just kind of stood back and went, oh, whoa. <laughs> because this is not indicative of anything Guns N' Roses had done up to that point. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's a one-in-a-lifetime song from a band who just couldn't write anything like this at any other stage of their career. And, yeah, it's, it's bombastic. It's pompous. It's also incredibly well-played and incredibly put-together, dramatic, And um, I think on this, Axl Rose just gets the emotional part of it right. And that's something he's not known for. Uh, He's known for just getting it wrong so many times, but he nails this so well. And it had the impossibly lavish and ridiculous video clip And And talk about that. Yeah, as far as just the excesses of that LA metal kind of thing are concerned, this was the crowning glory of it, and it's done so well.
0: Tim Byron,
1: what about you? Yeah, Tim Coyle was just talking about how um, it shouldn't work, but it does. For me, it shouldn't work, and it doesn't. Oh (laughs) Oh, wow! So like. Like, I like every other single from the Use Your Illusions albums better than this one. I like Live and Let Die better. I like Knocking on Heaven's Door. Um, You know, You Should Be Mine is great. Two covers, okay. Yeah, Two (laughs) Covers, You Should Be Mine is great. Don't Cry is great. And I like them all better than this. Like, it's just like Mm. this song is apparently the longest song that ever got onto the top 10 of the Billboard uh, Hot 100. Like, it's the (laughs) longest song. I mean, the song I chose is long, and this song is, like, minutes (laughs) longer, several minutes longer. (laughs) In fact, by the time the song I chose is ended, um, this song hasn't even got to the cool bit at the end, which is the only bit I like about the song. (laughs) (laughs) But <laughs> <laughs> like that cool bit at the end of this song Is great when, go, when it goes to the minor And there's like the, you know, slash hits That really cool note that with the great tone And like, you know, the, there's the You know, it, it revs up and it's finally doing something And it does that so late into the song That the song I chose, which we'll find out about soon It's already over <laughs> If they will playing at the same time <laughs> So like, to me, this song just goes on and on And it's just boring
0: Casey Atkins
1: November Rain Um,
0: I'm
2: with, uh, with Mr. Coyle on this one. Um, I just, I loved it. And, um, I thought it was a, I really did think it was a great time at the time. And it, it freaked me out at the time though. I just, I think that that video, which I won't say much about because we'll, we'll move on to, um, later I'm sure, but, um, I just remember feeling quite, Spooked out by the video um, a little bit. And when I first listened to the song this week, I listened to it and watching the video, I kind of laughed a little bit because there's just some funny shit that happens in it hmm. that I was laughing at. And then when I moved to from listening to it um, while watching the video to just listening to it on headphones, it really actually got to me. I think it's beautiful. I think it's absolutely stunning. I think I agree with everything you've said about. Um, he just hits the emotion in it somehow on that vocal like you don't expect him to be able to given what you know of Axel Rose and what you've heard before. Um, I think it's a really beautiful lyric. Um, I really rate Slash, you know. Like I rate Slash higher than I'd rate Richie Sambora, like we've talked about before. And, um, and I think his his tone is so unique and you just know that it's him. And um, the, the solos are great and, my word, there are a lot of them. Um, and... Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Probably too many. Uh, oh well, you know mm-hmm. that's yeah, it's my opinion really. But um, but I love it. I think it's an absolutely uh, beautiful power ballad and one of the finer examples um
0: of of that in the world. I love it too. <laughs> it is just, it is their for me their best song. Mm. It is for me the best one of the greatest rock songs of the nineties. It is. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to start with how much I love this song. It is just, it has a bit of everything, uh, which is normally a good thing. (laughs) Look, I just, I just say that this song has meant so much to me over the years. One of which is, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, for many years, whenever we texted each other in the month of November, a rule was we had to shoehorn a quote from this song. <laughs> <laughs> so whether it's like, oh yeah, let's meet up for a drink, oh I probably can't get up get there till seven, but never mind the darkness, we still can find the <laughs> um so yeah, it's just become so wrapped in life. Mm. And um and my other story, which I think everyone at this table knows, which is You know, when I eventually get married I've already decided that, you know, at (laughs) the wedding there will be a guitar amp a black Gibson Les Paul and a top hat set up outside the wedding and everyone has to for, leave for my ca- wedding for Casey <laughs> no, but everyone and there's going to be a photographer there everyone has to leave my wedding at some point and get a photo taken yeah as if they're Slash having left my wedding to do a guitar solo
3: yeah I, I kind of I, I wanted Casey to do it at my wedding but yeah my wife vetoed that <laughs> 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 never, never mind that Casey it had to be in the US at the time no. Uh, we
1: were going to Skype him in. <laughs> yeah, the other great thing that you could do there
0: would be to get, like, a Lego church because the church that he's playing that guitar solo in front of could not possibly be the church. And the rest of the people are
2: oh, It's a, it's a church! <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's this tiny (laughs)
3: little kind of (laughs) protestant church out in the middle of nowhere and stephanie seymour is walking through this
0: giant big catholic basilica yeah Yeah, it is is pretty bad but look like you said casey let's talk about that film clip do we have like there's so much going on that film clip do we have a moment that stands out for us well look i think the scene of, of slash like
2: him bolting down the aisle like with such purpose and like (laughs) and then it's like what's going on here and it's like and then he walks out in uh, out front of this church that's clearly not the church he was just in, and <laughs> that's all you know? like. That's perfect,
0: but you know what? The, do you know those silly things that you think of when you watch a right. video clip? Just that church? That just, it doesn't, I kind of think of Stonehenge. No. Like, yeah. They yeah, turned up to the video shoot for the second <laughs> bit, and they were like, no, we said feet, so. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but, you know
1: those. <laughs>
2: The silly things that you think when you're watching something like that sometime, because there's the like hundreds of people in that church. He walks out of that church, he's by himself, there's nobody else. He's playing, there's those uh, like helicopter aerial shots of him <laughs> going, and my brain just goes, Where's everybody parked?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah, that, a- that's that's the scene that does it for me.
1: Tim, I- I've got a um. The the book I want my MTV that I often quote from has a of course has like a quite a big section on November Rain and um, there's a quote from the video director saying we couldn't figure out what we were going to do with slash in November Rain. I said to him, <laughs> "Oh God, wouldn't it be cool if you walked out of the church into a completely different environment?" And he said, "Yeah, let's go to New Mexico and do that." Brilliant! Just, I hear they've
3: got this great blue stuff down there. <laughs>
1: And then it goes on to say, weirdly enough, um, Anton Corbain, is that how you say it? Anton, who who does like YouTube, was staying in the same hotel as us in New Mexico. I'd known Anton for a while and I invited him to come to the shoot. After about half an hour, he said to me, Andy, this is incredible. Andy Morahan, who directed it. Um, You've got five cameras, cranes, helicopter, this big crew. Is this the whole video? I said, no, it's about 27 seconds. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
3: Out of
1: nine minutes, yeah. of nine minutes. I, I,
3: well, I, I like how far they push that idea of why don't we just have slash change environment <laughs> for for the solace and the thing is, it's like Every time Slash enters a new location, the so- a solo starts. Around. It's like Slash walks outside, plays a solo, Slash is at the reception, plays a solo, Slash is on the bus home, plays a solo, Slash is in his hotel room with two hookers and a lot of coke, plays a solo. That's how it sounds.
0: <laughs>
1: it's like Slash has a guitarist.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, oh, Tim Coyle, do you have a moment to stand
3: up now? Well, uh, Casey kind of alluded to that little transition, which is the spooky bit of what the fuck happened to Stephanie? Oh, mm, <laughs> yeah, like like, yeah. Yes. yeah, it's kind of. It's die? just like they're, they're married now and she's dead. <laughs> and yeah, that kind of it wraps around to the start of the filming clip where it's Axel looking all serious and, and down, and, and, yeah, and, down yeah. and out hillbilly kind, kind of thing, of, which she's really good
2: at, by the way. Well, <laughs> I, think, I, I was reading a thing on um, Wikipedia because, you know, my, my research doesn't often branch too much further out than that <laughs> for, this, <laughs> uh, for this particular artistic venture of genre. Uh, when
0: well, you don't go through the death records of a small town in Australia. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, I, I, I did. I found the cause of death of four people was due to
2: November eight.
1: <laughs> um, was it acid rain? And it's
2: probably based. The the song and the video are apparently based on a short story.
0: Oh, really? What story? Um, you know, then this is the thing. I didn't actually note that
2: down. Um, but in said short story, the um, the, the bride commits suicide. Um, so that's kind of the assumption is that Stephanie Seymour's character in the video has committed suicide. Um, however, it doesn't address it, um, it doesn't address it's it. It's very like. indirect. Yeah. And,
3: and yeah, it was just kind of, it was, it was spooky and, and upsetting. Yeah. There was just this big turnaround and that they foreshadow it with the thunderstorm at the, at the reception kind yeah. of thing with the tables being knocked over and uh, I don't know, is
2: you it, guy jumping into is the it <laughs> Duff jumping into the cake? <laughs> or, <laughs> or, <laughs> it, it, it's
0: one of the dark guys. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, Dizzy can see Izzy Stradler.
2: Is he, is he I don't think Izzy Stradler was not
0: in the band at this
2: point. I think yeah, it may think have been Dillby Clark. Oh, really? You've got
0: Zizzy lots of um, For me, the, my favourite moment of the video is, is actually Duff. He actually has a couple of really subtle, cool moments. One is the ring. You know, when they're looking for the ring, yeah. just oh, the ring yeah. and just hold it. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And then when, like, everyone else is raiding, and everyone's jumping over cakes, so he kind of, he's just under the table having a smoke. <laughs> that was very, like... He was very cool. Oh, dumb. Tim Bower, any highlights from the video for you?
1: No, not really.
0: <laughs> do you remember it though?
1: Like, it doesn't have the terminator in the video. If it had the terminator in the video, it would have oh, been better. How uh, do you think Stephanie
0: died, man? <laughs> I think now we should move on to our next song. Uh let's roll the dice. Nice. Went all around the room. And it's singles, so it's my choice. And so, what did everyone pick for me? Tim Byron?
1: Um, I picked for you, I thought you would pick Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana.
0: What song is that? Anyway, (laughs) I picked uh,
2: Ordinary Angels by Frente. I picked Alive by Pearl Jam.
3: Uh Uh Nice. Did anyone
2: get it right?
0: Yes, Casey Atkins got it right. It was Ordinary Angels by Frente. we to it. with ordinary angels, my pick for 1992. And gee, I just love this man. Like, so my first time I ever heard this song was "Hey Hey It's Sunday." Uh-huh. It was Molly Meldrum's segment on music. You know Molly's melodrama. Molly's melodrama, yeah. and we will get to more Molly's melodrama <laughs> stories as the years go on because I have several. Well, but yeah. they. But he introduced Frente to Australia. He was talking about Ratcat and saying, oh, you know, there's this whole alternative scene going on and here's the next big thing and it's going to be Frente. And he showed the first maybe 30 seconds or one minute of um, this clip and I fell in love. So, With the song or with Angie Hart? Well, I think mainly with Angie Hart. Like, I just... Yeah, I just had a big crash. (laughs) The song, I mean, the song then was easily my favourite song of that year. It was just one of those things, I was a happy child, just dancing around to it. Marvin, the album, (laughs) this album came (laughs) on. I still have the first print CD, which had a die cut in it and a spinning wheel with different fish underneath or different different Marvins, which there was only a couple of thousand copies of. And, yeah, I listened to that song and those songs all the time. And throughout the years, Frente have been important to me. One of my first ever gigs after Girlfriend, I think maybe the first gig I saw after Girlfriend was Frente. The only way I could see them was to actually go and see Alanis and support them. Uh, but, but, <laughs> the sorry, that's I went to see Frente and I bought a Frente t-shirt. No. Um, so they were became my favourite band and, and then uh, to wrap it up, Casey and I and Tim were in a band that got to support Frente when they did a reunion show at the end of that hotel. Got almost a decade ago. So, yeah, that was... And I pushed for that, and that was very special for me. But even though I pushed you guys to do that, I have no idea what you guys think about Frente or this song. So before I get to my ex-bandmates, Tim Coyle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I really loved it at the time too. And it's just that, that... Those first few bars, it it really gets right to it. Um, Her voice has that very Australian twang to it and just the acoustic guitar playing on this is so good and tight. It's another song for me where the verses are the better hook than the chorus. Um, I I think the the melody of the verses is fantastic and the chorus is just a bit so-so, but that doesn't make it any less of a good song. And yeah, I, I really liked it at the time,
2: and listening to it this week, really enjoyed it again.
0: Casey Atkins.
2: Um, yeah, I, uh, I I loved it at the time as well, and this was I remember thinking that it was weird um, because yeah. it is weird, like yeah. musically, and this is probably something we'll get into um, a little bit more. But musically speaking, it's not it doesn't really fit together in the uh, traditional pop songwriting sense, you know, it's kind of all over the place. And um, even though I didn't sort of understand that element to it when I was listening to it, I just remember thinking that it was weird. But also uh, it may have been one of the first things that I listened to that was weird that I kind of picked up on in a positive way and didn't dismiss, oh, this is weird. I was like, this is weird, but I'm but I'm interested, you know. Um, and... Uh, and yeah I, I liked it but it still had it still had its hooks though that kind of brought you back after those weird chord changes and odd chords um, but you know then it hit the chorus and you're know, like oh okay we're back I, you know, this is cool I get that and then it goes into another weird, weird direction and and, yeah, and I, my reaction to listening to it this week was, like, exactly the same, <laughs> probably with a little bit more maturity uh, in terms of how my ear dealt with it, um, but it was exactly the same and, and I loved it in that way. Like, I really responded to it in a very, very similar way. Like, this is odd, It's it's difficult to listen to when your brain is kind of expecting something to go in a certain way and it goes the exact wrong way, Mm. um, but still beautiful at the same time. Tim Byron.
1: Um, For me, uh, I remember Ordinary Angels at the time, and I probably came across it through um, Molly's melodrama, I suspect as well, uh, thinking back. The thing with this song for me is that I think it's a great song, Um, I really like a lot of the things that are happening in the song, in the verses. I I think the chorus is a really good chorus. I think Tim Coyle um, underplays how good that is. But the thing with the song that I remember at the time that I still sort of feel now is all the kind of stuff that goes over and over again and is really repetitive, really annoys me. And I think it really annoyed me at the time. So like the rest of the song, apart from that, is really quite good. And I like all the stuff Casey was talking about with like the, the weird chord changes and the surprising kind of stuff. But that bit, like, really irritated me at the time and still I find kind of irritating at the moment. Um, But in terms of Frente in general, um, I I think they're great. I bought the singles for um, Accidentally Kelly Street when that came out and for um, uh, (laughs) Lonely Slash Bizarre Love Triangle. I I thought they were great. And um, I have their albums and I really enjoy them. So when we supported them, I was quite happy.
0: With Mm -hmm. the members of Wien on that single? Yeah,
1: yeah, um, Get Real.
0: Almost Yeah, well, it was it was on the the single that came out after. And there's a B-side which they recorded with Ween.
1: Okay, and
0: they were a cool band for a while. And look, and then Tim Byron brought up accidentally released. Yeah, which is a song that accidentally stat- was released.
2: Yeah, so we get to talk about the Late Show again. So yeah. the Late Show did
0: another parody, and yeah, this was accidentally was released. And you know, here's the thing about watching the film clip again this week after years and. So, cards on the table. I'm still a huge fan of Frente, and I still buy everything Angie Hart releases, and I read all her interviews. And it's interesting because she says that no, what killed them was the accident at the Kelly Street from Club. That bright and sunny image, which wasn't really them, that they were kind of talking to doing, and they were doing it for fun because they didn't think the song was going to go anywhere, and they were just sort of being silly, and they that wasn't them, and they were being sort of semi ironic. But it became the image the band was always remembered for. Right. And I watched the Ordinary Angels film clip and the la da, da la da, 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 da. and I go, no, nah, that was always there. Yeah. yeah. Like that <laughs> song that doesn't really stand out from the rest of the album that they, much. They had that Twee
3: thing. Yeah. They had that very Sarah Records kind oh. of approach yeah. to songwriting and their sound there. It was always there. I thought they did it really well. I I love them. Um Angie Hart, kind of the reinvigoration of her career when Joss Whedon kind of stuck his mm. neck out and back to, 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 the, hill, to yeah. the point that she appeared on Buffy and those kinds of things. I think it's great that she um, made a comeback and that Frente played, played more gigs and stuff like that. So, yeah, but they were playing a style of music that was very much... Um, in its on, on the decline at the time. This was a very late eighties, very early nineties kind of sound, and it had reached its peak, and it would taper off very dramatically after mm. after
0: this. So, what do we think of "Accidentally Kelly Street" or the other front-facing ones? If we remember, do we remember? I,
2: I think I may have been a little bit disappointed by "Accidentally Kelly Street." Um oh, was a terrible song. On. Hearing like like with this song is my memory and what I I liked it and hearing it accidentally kill a string going oh, okay <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh, just going oh that and, and then thinking that you know seeing the late show parody and just thinking yeah. that that actually nailed it
0: yeah you know <laughs> I mean how much I love the late show so much but I kind of feel like that was a big step in killing their career what the late show parody yeah. Do you give? Do you reckon the late show had that much swing though? No. I reckon that they would just left themselves open for that swing, and yeah. if they didn't do it, it. Yeah, I think they did. Like,
3: it, it, it's ultimately it was. I think as Casey is saying, it's confirming what a lot of people thought. Oh yeah, sure. at the time, but yeah, it, I think it changed the way people talked about frontier in a way that no one could take them seriously again afterwards. And yeah, I think. Danny's right. It was I a mean, It's not the
1: only nail, but it was a nail in the coffin. I I disagree with that because um, Bizarre Love Triangle was a couple of years after, and that was a big hit. That was a top ten single uh, when they re-released that. Yeah, sure. So I don't think that actually. That was a great cover too. Yeah, yeah, great cover. And um, I don't. So I don't think that actually really killed their career. I think basically what happened after that was they spent two years touring America and trying to sort of break in America, and so they just weren't around in Australia. And um, they sort of got yeah, this... old and cynical as a result, as far as I can tell, because touring America was a pretty hard slog.
0: So, Tim Byron, what about the Frente's career for you? I mean, do, is there anything there for you to love? Did you have any songs that you liked?
1: Yeah, I, um, I really like the EP, the lonely EP that has bizarre look love triangle on it. I loved, um, lonely the song and get real. And, um, I really, really, I think my favorite Frente song is sit on my hands from, um, which was the first single from the shape album, which has just got that kind of woozy kind of, um, cynical kind of beta less kind of thing that, um, reminds me of, you know, those like crowded house songs, like nails in your feet and not the girl you think you are, that like do that kind of, kind of mellotrony kind of woozy unsettling kind of sound. I, I really love that. And, um, and a couple of the other songs from Shape, I think, are uh, um, better than anything that they released as a single in
0: 1992,
3: 1993. Tin Coil? Um, yeah, I uh, I like Shape <laughs> as an album, but, yeah, there's just there's not a lot of material there with Frente because, yeah, things just um, didn't fall apart on them, but it just didn't happen for no, them you- in the way that you imagine they were going to when... You first heard this song It it felt so fresh And so This was a band That were going to be On the verge of great things But Yeah It didn't Quite work out that way And Yeah I think there's there's this song and yeah, I think Shape is probably the stronger album for mine than Marvin the album, which is another thing that's such a terrible album name. <laughs> 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 Again, I know, it, and it's,
0: it's like twee. And I it's know strong, it's,
3: it's yeah. the twee thing and it's the whole thing of um, they were good enough to be taken quite seriously, you know, but they, they did, did everything like it. with it. They did everything within their power power to to
2: not be and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a shame. Really? I'd actually forgotten about "Sit on My Hands" until you said that, Tim Byron That's a great song. I just
1: completely forgot. and I remember seeing them debut that on Hey Hey It's Saturday. Comes up again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's such a weird image—the idea of them doing that on Hey Hey It's Saturday.
2: They did though, because I remember them making gags
1: about it. Because, but like Daryl introduced
2: "Sit on My Hands," and then there was a bit of a you know. Somebody made a gag about him and tell me that you love me, you know. Um, <laughs> 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 um, I didn't really go too far into the albums. Um, I knew the singles and I liked the ones that I liked, um, like Sit on My Hands, like Ordinary Angels, like um, uh, Bizarre Love Triangle. When, to be honest, when Danny, I, I met you and, and we got to be friends, and I was kind of um, you talked about being a big frente fan um a lot, and you were one of those people that I was like, really, there are people that are still big frente fans like it was one of those it was one of those kind of moments for me, and then I've kind of you know realized uh hence that that there there's probably a lot more to them or there was definitely a lot more to them than I ever saw or could be bothered seeking out uh, over and above those singles that I kind of liked,
0: you know. Look, I mean, I don't think there are many of us. I'm not surprised that you're surprised French <laughs> fans in the late nineties. Um, I will say this, I will say this for anyone who wants who cares, that I think Shape is a masterpiece. It is right. easily their best album. It's the best album NG Heart's ever done. It is just a great album, start to finish. It is I think the Crown and House comparison is apt. I think it's a bit together alone, it's a bit noisy, but the pop hooks are there, it's more developed and it's sadder and more thoughtful record for me um, the masterpiece is goodbye good guy and i remember tim Barr and me and you talking to the from the band afterwards and i remember saying that oh yeah i'm so glad that you guys play goodbye good guy i've never thought i'd ever hear it and he just said oh yeah no don't worry that song we're so proud of if we ever do another gig again we'll always play that song like, it's just one of the ones that the whole band loves. Also, with
3: with Shape, conf- the whole thing of confounding expectations is so far as Frente yeah. were seen as this quite twee band and knowing one of the producers was Ted Nisley, who is from Fugazi. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I mean, look, this goes back to the thing, like, they came from that really indie world. They, they were, you know, friends with all those bands that we love, like, Cat and the hummingbirds and all that sort of stuff, but they were the tw- they were twee ones. Mm. And you know, maybe they wouldn't have risen out of that indie pack if it wasn't for the fact that they had this person at the front, whose name was Angie Ha, mm. you know, who was just was an untrained, beautiful, natural singer who has a voice that God, when I listen to it, still connects.
3: and I don't well, understand how it connects with, we with kind of, generation, of women. Yeah, we mentioned with um, Simon Day the first time hearing people, not just sing in an Australian accent, but sing in an Australian accent that sounded like people your age who you were kind of, yeah. well, not our age, but people who you were kind of living around. And Angie Hart definitely has that. Mm. And, yeah, it was something I was able to connect with. She sounded like
2: teenage girls who went to my high school type of thing. And uh, one other person that she definitely connected with on that level, and there's something that I'm sure we'll put a reference to on the blog if we can find a good one. Um, Both Danny and Tim Byron have played in a band called Aerial Maps. Oh, (laughs) yes. No, (laughs) the previous incarnation. And their previous incarnation was uh, a band called um, Modern Giant. Giant, Which I
0: played in as well.
2: And you played in Modern Giant as well. And so for those of you who don't know, Modern Giant and Aerial Maps um, are fronted by a man named Adam Gibson who does a lot of spoken word. They're basically uh, poetry and there is a, a song
0: called Angie Hart. Which um, is the only reason me and Adam are friends. That how, that's how we met. There you go. We, we, someone told me that there was another Frente fan uh-huh. and that he wrote a poem about Angie Hart Yeah, and he was turning it into a song. And that's how I ended up in his band. So, yeah, look, we'll, we'll tell yeah. that story. We'll and put that one up on the blog. Well, there's a, a film for Angie Hart. There's a film for oh, oh, right. lots of other French songs, and we'll talk about um, what's great about it. If you always loved Ordinary Angels and sort of wondered where that band went to, we'll do a bit of writing about that because that's really one of the reasons that we're here and talking about Australian music from the 90s. Ninety We should move on to our third song of the Night, which revolves another role of the Dice in Casey, do you want to take a roll? I'll take a roll. And it's Wayne's World, which <laughs> is Tim Byron's choice. So, what did we all pick for Tim Byron? Casey Atkins. Uh, I picked Bohemian Rhapsody by Michael.
2: Mm-hmm. I actually picked Tim's spirit, knowing Tim
3: Byron's inclination to want to have discussions and debates. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I chose to kill Tequila by ALT. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Byron, what
1: did you choose? I chose Bohemian Rhapsody. Is this the real life?
0: Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide? No escape from reality. Open your eyes. So that was Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. <laughs> Funnily enough, a song that charted in 1992. Tim Byron, before you tell us why you love this song, can you tell us the story of why this song charted in 1992 in Australia?
1: So the reason this song charted in 1992 in Australia uh, was basically that Freddie Mercury just had just passed away and they repeat and they released the song as a tribute to him um because he had just passed away so they released it as a single with a more recent Queen song These are the days of Our Lives as a b-side and so um but wasn't it also Wayne's world well yeah it was also Wayne's world but you know the funny thing is I think Wayne's world like was slightly later than this I think the two things Why? the two I think Wayne's world like when it when it came out gave it another sort of boost but I think like Wayne's world, Uh, because there is that very famous scene in Wayne's World where they just um, sing along in the back of the car and do the head banging when you get to the the loud, heavy bit. Um, But, yeah, Wayne's World obviously had a lot to do with why it became a big cultural thing in 92. And it was a big cultural
0: thing in 92, and where
1: were you and how did you feel about it? So I don't really have much memory of Wayne's World from the time. I think I probably saw it a few years later, and, in fact, I have a better memory of the second Wayne's World film with... um, where they were mm. putting on the festival, and and so um, for me, so so the way Christopher one, Walken was in that. Sorry, the one with Christopher
2: Walken and Alice Cooper explaining what Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> That's in the first one.
0: Was that
2: the first yeah, one?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Alice Cooper's in oh. the first one. I think he's also in the second one because he agrees to be a part of the festival. But the the second one has that great um, right. English roadie guy who's like, and then we took off all his thumbs. Del Preston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and but anyway, so for me, uh, Waynesworth wasn't actually really big in my world in ninety two. For me, Bohemian Rhapsody was just something I saw on Rage because it was a charting single. So I um turned on Rage in the morning and, you know, they probably played Love You Right by Euphoria. And then the next song was this was this really and I started listening to this song that had, like, sort of a harmonies at the start. And I'm like, oh, this seems interesting. It's an old song. Why is an old song in the charts? But this is kind of cool. Then you got to the kind of, the, to the <laughs> verse. And um, I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is kind of like Elton John. I like Elton John. Because uh, I don't think I knew hmm. anything about Queen by this point. So I, I was listening to the song, listening to, like, right, you know, the, the nice piano bits where he does, where he, um, he crosses his hands. And I was like, wow, you can cross your hands playing piano. <laughs> um, so i listened to that and it built up to that kind of crescendo and then suddenly it's like what the fuck happened to this song what the fuck is a scaramouche what the fuck is a fandango?" <laughs> and then suddenly it's like it's all rocking <laughs> and like there's the you know he so you think you can stop me and spit in my eye dun-dun-dun-dun-dun yeah, and I was like yeah. and so this song blew yeah. my mind as a as a ten year old because I'd never heard anything that was like it that would that had this kind of like different um different sections that uh that led so sort of well into each other and like sounded so totally different and made no sense, but were kind of awesome. Like I just had never heard anything like it at this point. And so I was just, my mind was blown. I didn't know music could sound like this. So uh, after that, I got the sheet music for this and I, I worked really hard to try and figure out how to play it on piano. And I would just play this over and over again on piano. Um, I discovered that my mom had the greatest hits, the queen greatest hits. And so every car journey we'd be listening to the greatest hits over and over again. And I must've driven her mad, but like, I just became obsessed with Bohemian Rhapsody. And um, yeah, in in 1992, this song blew my mind.
0: Casey Atkins, how about you? Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, what's to say about Bohemian Rhapsody? Like, in all, in all honesty, um, there was,
2: as much as I kind of, I picked that you'd choose this one. When, when, I found out that you had chosen, I was like, like great song. I love this song. I've always loved this song. But what's there really to say about Bohemian Rhapsody? It's just, it, it's like, it's it's a masterpiece. It's one of the greatest, like, there's nothing that I can say that's not just, like, a trite um, regurgitation of something else that somebody said about Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, it was, like, so I guess I can talk about what it meant to me. Uh, it was the definitely the first song that I'd ever heard like that. Um, that sounded like that, the crossing the hands of the piano, um, <laughs> even amazing, isn't amazing. It then, uh, blew my mind as well. Um, the, the guitar solo, like that main guitar solo, I've still not actually learned how to play. And I've actually tried a couple of times and just, just sort of aborted. Um, oh, like I, I, I could probably do it if I had to, cause I was playing it in a band, but, um, it was, it's, it's. It, Full on and amazingly awesome. Um, I can play it on piano. The video clip is the the guitar solo. (laughs) Um, The I can play it on my iPod. (laughs) (laughs) The thing was that like the video imaging, um, the the video echo, and then let me go. Yeah, Yeah, and that's brilliant. But I mean, the Wayne's World is going to be always so inextricably linked to the song but not in a, not in a bad way like that that scene where they're like when i listen to this song and even during the week when i was listening to this song I, in public i really had to restrain myself from doing the headbang bit like i i had to try pretty hard um not to do that on the bus around other, um, you know polite citizens at eight in the morning because I'm just, I'm just compelled to do that because it's just linked in that way. Um, you
1: should have just um, I done being, it and then shown them what you were listening to and they just would have nodded.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone would have gone, "Ah, oh, all right, cool, yeah. Um, I remember actually being confused and talking through with my brother about the lyrics, <laughs> um, you know, the, the whole, you know, just kill the man if the gun, gets his head and then, that being a metaphor,
0: and um, yeah, having, yeah, I mean, that line in particular, having with, with Freddie being dead with this song, the era that we're mm. talking about it, you know, like I remember that being a really big deal as well, you know, like um, and that verse being an AIDS metaphor, yeah, yeah you know, that was definitely a conversation that's going around, but um, Tim Coyle, Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, well, there you go,
3: right? Yeah, uh, um, uh, well, I have. Casey didn't point it out, but both he and I have kind of, on a couple of occasions, terrorised some karaoke audiences yeah, <laughs> with this We <laughs> have, we have, I, I, I do, I do yeah, I, I remember that today, actually. Yeah, em- 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 karaoke, em- yeah. Emphasis on terrorised there. But... Those were the days. But, um... Yeah, with this look, I love, love, love the song and the Wayne's World part of it is is a big part of it. it. Was a big part of the appeal for me, and there'll always be that. And just there's so much that's incredible about this song. It's like Freddie's voice, just. Um, like the high highs, the low lows. He does everything. He does mm. it impeccably. Mm. We were talking about unique guitar sounds, and what Brian May gets. Mm, yeah. Just, you know, it's singular. No one else does does that. Still, they still can't do it today. And that's kind of look. He's got the custom built guitar that he did himself. The mm. red really special. He's then an he... astrophysicist, for God's sake. <laughs> <Then he> played, <laughs> what's that, <for> love? <laughs> then he plays with a coin. Yeah. Uh, was isn't it, is it that? Um, front to tail isn't it's it once with the the coin the
2: coin i thought i may play with like, I it like yeah <laughs> i thought i was May.
3: yeah it could, could be. It up, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll verify that on the blog <laughs>
0: um
3: and yet at the same time it annoyed me this was in the charts because it's an old song i wanted new stuff did uh, you know this by, by the time it was, was in the charts no i didn't oh, I, this is this would have been my first exposure to it and it was that contradictory thing of This is incredible and it's completely unlike anything else and yet at the same time it's like... eh. Old. This is old people's music that I really like, but it shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's kind of the thing. It's the same thing with November Rain. I love that theatrical, bombastic, totally over-the-top thing. Mm. So yeah, that's kind of where I was. And it's not a big surprise that this song appealed to me on that level. But on the other hand, I ha- I-, I-, I wanted
0: fresh blood. I I love this song. So much. This for me is probably within the top ten greatest songs of all time. Mm. I have so many stories, so many memories tied up with aspects of this song. Uh, I'll share a couple. Uh, I, I I was. I'm with you, Casey, a little bit. I think when you said it, that I felt like it was a bit of a cheat to even choose this song for yes. this. But I'm glad. I'm glad Tim did choose it for, so I can at least say this first bit, which is in. The last five, six years, I've decided that I hate every New Year's party I've ever gone to that ended with Ort Lang Sign because no one really cares for that song. Uh-huh. And so I've, for the last six years, whenever I'm at <laughs> a New Year's Eve party, I take over and it's 10, 9, 8, 7, 7, but zero. And I put on Bohemian Rhapsody because everyone is excited, everyone is happy, mm. and everyone sings along. And so if anyone out there wants to continue that tradition with your New Year's party this year, it really, really works. I also remember making meeting two people who ended up being, still to this day, some of my best friends in London, and we were a good 15 kilometres from home in the middle of the night and we had no other way to get home but to walk, and we sang Queen songs, <laughs> drunk out of our heads, walking home and Bohemian Rhapsody was the first one we ever sang. And it is just that song. It is a song that I've lived with, I've worn out, I've listened to it all the time, I've wanted to cover in bands, I've done in karaoke, I've watched that Glow film clip where they made fun of it and laughed, I've watched it recently on Foxtel when the Hungarian Rhapsody concert was on and it is a song that I, I... could talk for the next 40 hours and never really, you know, show my true love for because it, it's just amazing, so. Should we just quickly go talk about Queen? And obviously, once on each, if it is a Bohemian Rhapsody, what would it be? Tim Byron, it's your show. Um, for me? <sighs> if you had to choose just one.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Choosing one Queen song, Uh, like the Bohemian Rhapsody is the one Queen song I choose. You know, um, what happens if it's
0: karaoke night and Casey
1: and Tim have always done Bohemian Rhapsody and everyone is left? It's
2: your turn (laughs) next. I do November Rain. (laughs) <laughs>
1: Brilliant. um I, I, I don't know ah choose, choosing I'd, I'd have to say it's probably either killer queen or somebody to love these songs that are just like mm. big epics in themselves like both of those both of killer queen and somebody to love are huge big epic songs in their own way they're not quite as epic as um bohemian rhapsody but they just got that you know i could never pull off the vocal in somebody to love which is just amazing creddy just nails this vocal and um Killer Queen is the same. Mm-hmm. It's got all those like really nice sort of like guitar minis and like all the clever little bits and um, I, I don't know. Maybe I should say joining a fan club by Jellyfish.
0: Kim <laughs> Coyle, what about you?
3: Uh, it's either Somebody to Love or Fat Button Girls. Oh, damn you!
2: It's
3: such a thumping, storming rock song. Uh, you
0: know? It's so rude. <laughs> <Like>, you just <laughs> it's gloriously yeah, and, and, and,
3: and I love it's what's being parodied by Big Bottom, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll so yeah, and yeah. So there's all of that. Look, I love Queen and like, mm. I, I, Freddie Mercury is not underrated as, as a vocalist necessarily. No, I think I think Freddie Mercury Mercury's is very appropriately, recognized. yeah. Oh, under, uh, but, but, even, but even <laughs> even then, I think people say, look, he's a great vocalist, but they'll say, mm. oh, but Otis Redding or something like that. Mm. And the thing is, it's like, no, actually, Freddie Mercury is better than all of them. Mm. Um, Just for, yeah, anyway. um,
0: I think think Freddie Maker is just the greatest singer that ever was.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with Daddy there. It's just (laughs) no one can
2: can compare to Freddie. Casey? Um, So I'm probably, I couldn't think of anything that hasn't already been said. Um, Somebody to love for Freddie's vocal, Killer Queen for the guitar harmonies that Tim Byron's mentioned, which is just amazing um Have you heard the Travis version of Killer Queen? I bought the single that that was on. Sing. Uh, I bought the sing single just
0: to get that on the B side because it was brilliant. For those who haven't heard it, it is a note for note, yeah. sound for sound recreation of Killer Queen. Yeah, and it's
1: a by brilliant. Travis.
0: So yeah, indeed. So yeah, somebody loved for the
2: vocals, Killer Queen for the guitars. um but, yeah, I think Fat Bottom Girls is
0: just my sentimental
2: favourite. It's Fat, Fat Bottom, Bottom Girls for the balls.
0: <laughs> well, Killer Queen as well. Like, I mean, we talked about Prince and how that song, his songs are 90% attitude. This yeah. Be about Killer Queen as well. But for me, two songs that no one's mentioned, which is You're My Best Friend, yes. which is such a sweet song. And, again, we played in the band with and Don't Stop Me Now. Yeah. And oh, and
1: really movie song. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, look, we have one song left for tonight. We don't even have to roll the dice. What's left on the dice is White Man Can't Jump. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, I can speak. And Casey, so, we've, we've had to last twice now on these two show yeah. so I'm sorry about that, but uh, right. it's the way that the, the dice came down. That's the way the dice rolls. Let's, let's all go around and
3: see what we thought Casey would choose. Tim Coyle. Uh, I chose Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran. Tim Byron. I
1: chose Tip of My Tongue by Diesel.
0: Ah. I thought about tipping my tongue, but then I ended up going with tequila, (laughs) AOT and The Last
1: Civilization.
0: (laughs) So, um, Casey Atkins, what did you choose? Ladies
2: and gentlemen, Life is a Highway by Tom Cox.
3: One day and the next day gone Sometimes
2: you bend, sometimes you stay, Sometimes you turn your back to the wind There's a world outside the darkened door Where blues won't haunt you anymore With a brave heart, free love and soul Come ride with me to the distant shore We won't hesitate Break down the
1: garden gate
2: There's not much time left today reason why like i was kind of hoping that nobody would choose um bohemian rhapsody because now i have to talk about life as a fucking highway <laughs> just after we've talked about <laughs> bohemian
1: rhapsody look <laughs> I-, I was hoping beyond hope that like you know bohemian rhapsody would be the longest song in the in the thing and buddy tim coyle could <laughs> three minutes
2: longer so life is a highway in, in- interesting reasons why i choose this song so i really did love it um when it was a hit, and it was on 100% Hits Volume 5, which was one of the ones that I owned, and um, I thought it was a great song. And something that we will talk about is this era of one-hit wonder rock singers, um, which I'm sure we'll come back to. But I don't know, something about it just spoke to me at the time. But I think the main reason that this song is so at front of mind for me and continues to be at front of mind for me is because I have heard this song Oh, I don't know, two hundred and fifty times in the last twelve months. <laughs> but not this version of this song. Because I have a four-year-old son, and there is a cover of this song by a band called Rascal Flat and it's actually pretty good. Um and it was on the soundtrack to the car the movie Cars, the Pixar film. And we Of course, um, yeah. Yeah. And so in the in our car we've got a bunch of music that we listen to from time to time and Jarvis every time we're in the car asks to hear the two songs from Cars and he goes can we have the two Lightning McQueen songs and those two songs are Real Gone by Sheryl Crow which is over the opening titles of Cars and the Rascal Flatts cover of Life is the Highway so I've heard it so many bloody times but I'll tell you what as a song it actually stands up as a rock song for doing what it does it's just a driving rockin' song. Um, listening to the Tom Cochran version again, it's funny. He's, he's not a very good singer at um, of all. Um, he doesn't really hit the notes particularly well, which is quite bizarre. Like, it's out of his range. And for those kind of reasons, I find it odd that <coughs> this would be a one-hit wonder song for a guy like that. And who is he anyway?
0: Um, but, yeah, I still think it's a pretty rockin' song. And it's all right. Yeah. Just before we move on from you, which version do you like better? I'm guessing Russell Rascal Flatts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tim Byron,
1: what about you? Life is a highway? Do you want to drive it all night long? <laughs> <laughs> gimme, 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 gimme! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this um, like uh, I was listening to the Tom Cochrane version. Like I haven't heard the L- Rascal Flatts version since I watched Cars um several years ago. Um, but I listened to it. I listened to the Tom Cochrane version. I was listening to it and I was thinking. This song is sort of like Call Me Maybe. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, no, actually, okay, go like, on.
1: It, it reminds me of Call Me Maybe by um, Carly Rae Jepsen. It's got this, sort of a similar kind of chorus that could have contrasted like a catchy melody with like a guitar riff kind of thing that it does. And it's got like the, it's all about the chorus in the same way that Call Me Maybe is all about the chorus. And the sound of it actually isn't that different in a funny sort of way. But um, so like to, to me, like it's got that same kind of like, I can see why it's a big hit because it's just got that kind of um, but relentless catchiness to it. Um, but like, yeah, this song, like, there's there's so few songs that better sum up the idea of, of like classic rock radio than a, li- a, a song called "Life Is a Highway." Uh, like, uh. like, I was just thinking, like, if I if I was writing the script of a movie that was set in 1992, and one of the characters <laughs> in the movie was was driving down an American highway. Um, you know, this song would be playing on the car radio. It'd have to be this song. And the character would be tapping on the wheel as they steered, nodding their head, nice. and looking kind of pleased with themselves. And then they'd die in a 10 car pileup. <laughs> because I've been reading George R.R. R. Martin recently.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tim Coyle.
3: Okay, I, I, I'll preface my thoughts on this song, but uh, just going back, Casey called uh, Tom Cochran a one hit wonder. Now, let's look at the honour roll of Tom Cochran, who is a member of the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, an officer of the Order of Canada, (laughs) has an honorary doctorate from Brandon University, and is an honorary colonel in the Canadian (laughs) Air Force. Well,
0: that's because... He he was a member
3: of Red Riders. Red Riders. (laughs) So there's an
0: Australian band called Red Riders, which many of us are friends with, members of. Mm. Um, And I remember... The band Red Rider, because I'm just a rock nerd. I like a lot of Canadian music. And I remember telling them that there's a band called Red Riders, Red Rider, with Tom Cochran, and they didn't believe me and they ended up, well, where are they now? I'm sorry, Alex. But um, <laughs> yeah, the other, my other story, just quickly on Red Rider, is that I went to a pub quiz at Harvard, of all things, in which there was a mathematics round. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But We did come out of the first round, me and a friend of the podcast, Worth, who we came out of the first round having uh, 10 out of 10 because it was a picture round of band images all with the word red in it and the one that no one got was Red Rider." So thank you, Tom Cochran. Thank you for this song, for leading me down this path, figuring out who you are. But yes, he is huge in Canada. I guess that's the thing I have to say. That's who he was and he had a career and he didn't have to sing so well because people were used to his voice to some degree and yeah. what he was doing. And... Anyway, honorary
3: colonel. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, I, I, did, I, I had no real love for this song at the time um, and that is all she wrote about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, did, I did mind listening to it this week. Um, I think... Listening to it, Tom Cochran was maybe thinking when you're listening to the actual music, people were going to go, Tom, oh, Petty? No, no, Cochran.
2: There's
3: a little bit of that (laughs) going on. And there's also the really odd bit where he's kind of doing the big panoramic thing from Memphis to Vancouver and it's like yeah sorry Tom Vancouver Memphis mm. <laughs> you, you're not t- you're not turning the former into the latter any, any time yet um, but yeah it's it's a perfectly passable heartland rock song yeah and yeah, I I, I kind of, I like those palm muted uh, verses and yeah the, the chorus is is good he his voice just doesn't isn't equal to the song mm. and i think that's probably the biggest um the, the biggest problem with it and why i probably won't be listening to it again well, anytime you, so you gotta listen, listen to, to the yeah look a perfectly good song and yeah but doesn't do anything to maybe distinguish itself i think some of the some of the other songs we've spoken about this week um, go out of their way to try and distinguish themselves and, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah this, this song is a bit more modest in in scope and I think yeah the the end result is reflective of that but yeah as far as songs you could have picked from 1992 there's a lot worse than this
0: yeah <laughs> I'm surprised that this song existed without the film cars. like it feels like it's written for a film, it's written yeah. for a purpose. And I guess that purpose ended up being rock radio. I'm with KC. The Rascal Flats version kills this because mm. if anything, it shows that this is a pretty fun rock song done by someone who maybe not I'm not gonna say lacking the talent, but Rascal Flats were a decent rock country band and just nailed it. So mm. and you know, maybe they had more forethought because he's probably just going, Oh, I just wrote it and I'll record it, I don't really know what the song means and the song turned into a monster. Yeah, but who, who in the Rascal Flats is a colonel? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so yeah, look, it's a, it was this version of the song is a fine song, It's a fine radio song. I would still happily listen to it when it comes on. Um, it's a, it's yeah, it's very It It is upbeat. It's fun, and it never ever loses sight of that and it's a big sing-along song, and I can imagine that Tom Cochran still plays it at the last song every night, and he does the big acapella chorus where everyone's clapping and singing along because it's just a song for that, yeah. and well done for that. That is just great, you know, writing one of those. that makes people so joyous and so happy. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it is just a good rock song, and as Casey said as well, we will probably talk more about artists like this going forward because it feels like there was a lot of these coming... Coming through I will say What I hate about this song John The film clip He's, he's standing oh. in the desert Kicking the dirt with a guitar that's not plugged in <laughs> and It's just a pet peeve I'm, But, but, but it works for Slash yeah. it, works- <laughs> <laughs> it works ridiculously for Slash yeah. He's got a top hat but, And Slash has <laughs> a guitar that transports him to New Orleans <laughs> <laughs> it is just a little bit so let's just get the last late show reference out of the way which was um, the jam. Not four and a half minutes yeah. of shit no not four and a half minutes of shit it's the Cameron Detto um, parody when he did the country song. Yeah. And it, oh, so four and a half minutes shit, and yeah. just kicking the dirt. So it was,
2: uh, the song was um, 15 Minutes of Fame. Yeah. And so their parody was four and a half minutes of shit. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> And it's all about just standing,
0: <laughs> in the, standing in the desert, kicking the dirt. Yeah. And that um, would have been definitely around this time and hearing this song at that point destroyed that film clip for me. So I still look at that film clip. And he doesn't look cool. No. It doesn't. I I thought that.
2: And I thought, I felt kind of weird about thinking that when I watched the clip this week, It just kind of looks a bit kind of old. Canadian. (laughs) That's racist.
0: (laughs) So when we're talking about these sort of solo male one hit wonders that were mainstream middle America, we are talking Mark Coyne. Yeah. Tal Backman, Sean Mullins. Like, these men who just look like they were just idiots anyway, as well, right? Like, I mean, something that didn't matter to American mainstream radio, so good on him, but yeah, it is that's my thoughts on this song, which is yeah, it's a great little song. Um, done, and it'll just be tough. Like, I mean, if Fogarty did this, like, it would be, yeah, but Fogarty would have sounded so much better, yeah, that's the, yeah, thing. That's the thing, yeah. Like,
2: yeah. Um, Maybe so we so should get,
1: like, a petition to get Fogity to do this. Yeah. So does,
2: does anyone remember, and does anyone who hasn't looked it up, uh, remember the follow-up single? No.
1: Um,
0: I um, don't remember the follow-up is single, a but it's on,
1: it <laughs> is on 100%, volu- 100% hits volume six. So it's no, called No Regrets? No Regrets, yeah. So d- does
3: anyone remember um, No Regrets? I kind of, it's ringing a bell with me, the, the
2: chorus. Yeah.
0: No. Yeah, no. I remember it's, it quite well. Yeah. I mean, oh, really?
2: Yeah. My memory of because I guess I, it. yeah, because I liked this song um, quite a lot of the time. So you know, follow up single, you, you keep an ear out for. But yeah, no, it's not good.
0: Right. Ninety percent hits. And look, that brings us to a close uh, for the night. But a couple of things to wrap up as our usual choose your own adventure. Honourable mentions: a couple of songs that we've, we we could have chosen but uh, just missed out. Um, when it came to choosing our songs for today. Tim Byron, what have you got?
1: The other ones I, I thought about were um, Mr Dobelina" by Delta Funky Homo <laughs> Sapien. <laughs> Me too. And, Justif- and Justified and Ancient by The KLF featuring Tammy <laughs> Wynette. Uh,
0: Casey Atkins.
2: I've got quite a big list actually. Um, one that you, uh, I think Tim Byron thought that I might have pick, which was Tip of My Tongue by Diesel because I like that quite a lot as well. Look, the elephant in the room, it smells like Tense Spirit. Mm. Um, Alive by Pearl Jam. Um, Ain't No Doubt by Jimmy Nail.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. I, I know. So. Uh, and just one of those great... He's too eyes. ugly to be on the charts. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Uh,
2: Mr. Domolino I had as well. Tennessee by Arrested Development. Mm. Um, and... Tequila by ALT. <laughs> <laughs> um Baby Got Back. No. Nice. So thanks a lot.
3: Um, Byron mentioned Big Reeves and the Wonder yeah. Stuff covering Dizzy, which uh, yeah, I would have picked and uh, on a on another occasion, and yeah, Alive by Pearl
0: Jam would have been up there too. Yeah. There, there's really two songs. I mean, when it comes down to songs that I've listened to a lot, and songs that like like that I just love and had the singles off and bought the final singles off and stuff like that. There's only two, which is Vic Reeves and The Wonder Stuff's mm-hmm. which is an amazing pop song, and "Best Things in Life for Free" by Liza Minnelli and, and Janet Jackson. So, I mean, yes, there's a. I mean, it's strange to say that without mentioning Smoking Teen Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I mean, all those obvious well,
3: ones. Well, it might warrant a blog entry yes. just yeah. because it is so yeah. significant. And also, yeah, uh, I mean, we might start writing blog entries on Honest
0: 100 winners, which this was yeah. in 1992. Yeah. So. Okay, and uh, our last order of business is just to go around the room and uh, choose a song that was our favourite of tonight that wasn't one that we chose ourselves. And just to... Recap, we chose November Rain by Guns N' Roses, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, Tom Cochran's Life is a Highway and Ordinary Angels by Frente. Tim Coyle, what was your choice? Ordinary Angels by Frente. Casey Atkins. How
2: can you not say um, Bohemian Rhapsody is not your favorite song? <laughs> that one? Which is really hard because I really want to say November Rain because Bohemian Rhapsody is a... Uh, is just a given, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm going
1: to leave my vote with that. November Rain. <laughs> I'm right. going to say Ordinary Angels. I don't get the choice of Bohemian Rhapsody. So Ordinary <laughs> Angels.
0: And I have to say, it's, it's, it's a very, very good week. And just because it feels like it's a cheat, I'm going to choose November Rain. Yeah. So, <laughs> fuck you all. <laughs> a between November Rain and Ordinary Angels as being better. The than than <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Tom Cochran. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll just go back to kernel <laughs>
1: So
0: thank you for listening to 90% Hits. Uh, Casey, do you want to let people know where they can find us on the internet?
2: Absolutely. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr and Gmail. We are uh, Our handle is 90% Hits, percent spelled out in words. In all of those instances, please uh, hit us up on one of those meetings.
0: And please leave us a comment or a uh, you know, just leave us some feedback on any of those channels uh, on iTunes. And, yeah, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week.
1: Vinderella cut it up one time.
0: We are the rock revolving around the golden sun. Welcome back here to the MCG on the gamma for the Wackin'
2: We have one more song to go tonight. Oh, just quickly, it turns out uh, the
1: internet at least says that both Casey and I
3: are right. Both Roger Taylor and Brian May use coins. <laughs> <laughs> and they released a commemorative edition of sixpences in the UK a Brian May coin
0: and a Roger <laughs> Taylor coin. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Poor Deacon. um, Poor John Deacon, who doesn't know he gives a shit Um. <laughs> I-